Gracias. It's always somebody when I'm speaking Spanish. I don't know if it's the somebody or it's the me. But thank you, guys. Buenos tardes, todos. Mis hermanos y mis hermanas. The young and the old. The, those who speak Spanish and those who do not. Uh, it's great to be here today. Uh, before we hop into the sermon, I do have a few announcements uh, that I want to make you guys aware of. Uh, last week or the week before, we had mentioned financial peace, that we were going to offer that starting Sunday, February 24th uh, at 5 p.m. at the building. This is a quick announcement that the last day to sign up is next Sunday. So next Sunday, February 17th, uh, you will need to reach out to Michael Trent before next Sunday uh, so that you can sign up. It's $50 for members. If you want friends to come, we actually got a $50 discount. So it's $100 uh, for our friends. And that's per given unit that is taking the class. So if you're married, that's 50 bucks. If you're single, it's 50 bucks. You got, you were just in one of those two, amen. I think you're in one of those two. Uh, also, our disciple makers, uh, we are doing that. We end that this coming up Sunday or today at 2.15. So we will cover what do we teach them part two. So that'd be at 2.15 to give you a little time after the service here to go grab a bite to eat and come back. And then lastly, I want to remind us about the marriage retreat uh, weekend that we have next weekend. We're looking forward to having a great time, not only the marriage, because everyone else is having a worship service there at the Sheraton DFW as well. But for those that are going to be there for the marriage retreat, it does start at 10 a.m. And I think it concludes at 430 that day on Saturday. So it'll be a great time. we got a couple flying in from Seattle uh, that we'll, we'll be able to hear different stories of their marriage uh, as well. And then that Sunday, uh, we will start a service at 1030 for all of our marrieds. And then at 4 p.m., all of our campus and our teens will worship there at the Sheridan. And at 6.30, the singles, uh, single adult ministry will worship. Uh, and we will have the guest speaker for the marriage retreat, uh, Darren Overstreet. He will be preaching at the 6.30 service for our singles ministry. So y'all are in for a real treat. Amen. All right. That is all the announcements, so we can go ahead and hop in the Word. But before we do so, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you uh, today, I just thank you for having the opportunity to worship you with my brothers and sisters today. Uh, thank you that we can worship you anytime, anywhere. You're always listening. Your ear is always attentive uh, to us. And I pray that not only does that open up our lines of communication to you, but also that calls us higher as we walk because you, you know that you are always there. You're always listening. Uh, you're always loving, uh, Lord. Uh, thank you for this time. I pray as we uh, get into your scriptures today uh, that we can be those that are not too easily offended, that we can learn from Jesus, that we can learn from uh, what Dave had mentioned earlier in communion and how he was so quick to forgive and so quick to extend love and mercy. I pray that we can take on that heart, that we won't be those that hold on to grudges, that hold, hold on to other sins, but we forgive, and that uh, we just exude uh, the same personality and character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, we the sermon title was, Are You Holding to Sin? And uh, the concept was, if we're unable to forgive those who sin against us, then God will not be able to forgive us. So don't waste don't waste our time holding on to the sin of those that have sinned against us, but instead going after, going after letting it go, going after talking and praying and asking for strength uh, for God to help you have the courage to face uh, those that may have sinned against you. Because the word forgive that we looked at, it was to send away, to, to leave alone, to release, to let it go. And we don't want to hold on to sin, right? No, I mean, we'll hold on to a lot of things, but we're not, we're not going to be hoarders of sin, amen? We're going to let it go. We're not going to have a movie or a show, reality TV, where people are going around filming us holding on to sin. That's not going to be us, amen? We don't want to be that. But prayerfully, if you were holding on to things, I know I talked to a few uh, in the congregation this week of being, being able to go talk with that person that offended you, or being able to release that back to God, and just how freeing that is when we follow the word of God, when we follow his ways and go, go after what he has for us. Prayerfully, you had a much better week this week, knowing that we don't need to hold on to the sin of others. But even if you didn't have a good week, prayerfully this week would be even better. As we talk about the subject of not easily offended, not being too easily offended. How many of you guys are not easily offended? Like you got some pretty thick skin. Do we got a few of y'all out there? Okay, we got a few. We got a lot of them right here, man. I guess they like, like hanging out together, the thick skin, huh? <laughs> but would others say the same about you, right? Most likely, yes. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, said about Jesus, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus wasn't easily offended. Jesus had such a connection with God. Jesus was so secure on who he was and who he is that even the insults of others were not piercing to him. But instead, he was able to trade in their insults with love and forgiveness. But there was a, gl a glaring problem within the early church, especially in Rome, that we're going to talk about today. Because they had a problem being able to accept and love one another and be able to see past their differences. But before we jump into Romans, I'm going to ask you, because we... We got the people who said that they're pretty thick-skinned, but are you too easily offended? This is a little test that you can take, and if you score over 1,500, then you are too easily offended. That's just an arbitrary number, just playing. All right, so number one, do you explode in fits of rage over little things? Do you explode in fits of rage and fits of anger? over little things. And I put, quote, little things because that's relative. Yes, that's very relative, which leads us to our next one. Do others say that you make mountains 
out of molehills. So big things are big to you, but everybody else, they're like, no, that's, that's insignificant or little. See, people often tell you that. You might be easily offended. Do you frequently take things the wrong way? That when people say things, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know you didn't just say that. And then you're like, did you hear what he just said? Yeah. And I think nothing of it. You're like, no, no. This is what he said. <laughs> is that us? If so, then we may be too easily offended. Do others feel that they have to walk on eggshells around you? If so, you may be too easily offended. And lastly, do others consider you high maintenance? Do others consider you? I think we hit one. Like, ding, 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 ding. I think we found it. If so, you may be too easily offended. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, I'll read it to you real quickly. It says, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs because they're sensible. And I think about that term sensible. I think about what, who Jesus was and, and what he did. And one of the terms that also comes to mind is mature people are able to overlook an offense, to be able to overlook wrongdoing. So what we're going to do, we're going to jump, we're going to go back in time to Rome. We're going to look at Romans chapter 14, if you guys can turn with me. Uh, because when it comes to being too easily offended, you know what it's like being around a person or being that person that's too easily offended. You know, it's, it's always strife, it's always beef, it's always something in between you and someone. And it ends up being tiring because, as Dave had mentioned earlier, with communion, our focus can end up being on what that person has done to me, which takes our focus away from who? God. And we, especially those who claim Jesus as Lord, don't want to have our focus taken off God. Here in Romans chapter 14, we have something that's going on here in the community where you have those in Rome where from two different backgrounds, or two primarily different backgrounds. You have those that were of the Gentile descent or those that were not Jews, and then you had the Jews. The Jews had their customs. The Gentiles had other customs. So you bring them together. You're worshiping God. You're praying. You're trying to encourage one another. You're trying to love one another. And just like with love languages at times, it's just, it's just not working. It's just not connecting. So what I want to use, I want to use three different things that we can pull out of Romans chapter 14 to help us not be easily offended. And the first one is to accept or welcome one another. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, it says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment or on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything. You know, we, we might be a lot of those of that faith, right? Uh, that's here, especially in Texas. We eat a lot uh, in Texas. I know I do. Verse 2, one man's faith allows us to eat everything. 
But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands and falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So the, the, the conflict was regarding food, right? Have you ever had a fight over food before? Or, you know, be it somewhere you wanted to eat or somewhere you did not want to eat? Uh, I, I remember I would have had a lot of conflict with my parents growing up because of some of the things that I did not want to eat. And one of those things, uh, squash. I mean, and, and boiled squash. You know, I mean, squash can be good at times, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to downplay all squash, right? You know, I want to love my brothers and sisters here. But boiled squash, it had the, a consistency to it. I remember growing up, I was like, why do you want me to eat this? I mean, I'm pretty sure this is not getting me closer to the Lord and Savior. But I wanted to be a good parent, so I ate it. And I acted like I was, you know, going to, you know, throw it up. But I didn't because I knew that would have been very bad for me. But this, the church here, they were fighting, having strife, having conflicts over food. And I bring that up because a lot of times when we have conflict with one another, you go talk to somebody about, and they're like, what's the conflict about? You're like, I, I don't even remember what it was about. What was it about? Was it about chicken for real? Was it about where we were going to eat? Do I want to go to Chili's or want to go to TGIF? Do I want to go Chick-fil-A? But then I, I mentioned it on a Sunday, so now everybody mad because they was thinking about chicken. And I'm like, yo, we can't go there right now. We can't even be there, brother. But sometimes. Those little things can end up causing big chasms between us and relationships. And how important it is for, to, for us to accept who we are. Not necessarily agree with all the opinions, which we're going to talk about later, of our brothers and sisters, our friends. But the value of who that person is. And one of the things I wrote down in my notes is having a high view of someone can be a powerful mind shift if that's not how we typically think of people. Sometimes when we see people, we don't see creations of God. Sometimes when we see this person or we're driving or we're, we're in the line or we're in the grocery store, we don't see people as creations from God. We see them as that's the person who hurt me. That's the person that looked like they can hurt me. But when we're able to shift our minds, it's a different story, right? It's different when I'm assuming the best out of those that I'm coming in contact with. But we got to start. We have to start with accepting one another. Not accepting their sin. Not accepting our sin, but accepting who that person is. Think about Jesus. Jesus had many encounters with people that you typically wouldn't hang out with. 
And he also had encounters with people that, hey, I hope they invite me over to their house, right? You remember in Mark chapter 5, it talks about the story of the demon-possessed man, where Jesus had just came across the lake, and the guy saw him, the demon-possessed man, legion. He saw Jesus uh, from afar, and he chased him down. And I know if I was in that, I'm like, all right, Raphael, I need you in front of me right now. All right, Casanova, I want you to take this one. I got the next one, right? Because this man was demon-possessed. This man was cutting himself. This man used to holler from the, to- from the tombs. That's typically not the person I normally hang out with. But Jesus, he engaged. Jesus was able to see him as a creation of God. And you could tell by his interaction that that happened. But then you got on the other side, you had the rich young ruler. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, it has one of the, the stories of the rich young ruler who had much money. And he obeyed the law of the Jews. Jesus saw him the same way that he saw Legion. He loved him. He thought about his soul more than his outer appearance. He thought about his soul more than anything else. If we're able to transform our mind to accept and welcome others, that's going to be able to help us out. Is there anybody in your mind right now where you think, man, this, I can accept all, all this over here, but I can't accept this person? I can't accept this group of people, even. I can't accept anybody who falls in this mold of someone who has hurt me in the past. It becomes real, right? It becomes very real for us, and it's difficult. We know. We know it's difficult to accept everyone, and and acceptance doesn't mean I'm going to hang with everyone. But it does mean I'm going to see people how Jesus sees them. Amen? I want to see Jesus, see others as creations of God. So if we're able to accept others, then we're able, and it's going to help us not to be too easily offended. The second one, stop passing judgment on one another. That's a big one, right? And in Romans chapter 14, verse 13, and it said it even what we read earlier, but he says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another and instead make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. You know, Paul totally shifts it around. They're talking about food. Then he goes in. No, I don't want you judging one another. Not only do I not want you to judge, but I want you to not be a stumbling block for someone else. He challenges them. He puts the onus on them. That, no, I don't want you to be a stumbling block. You're worried about what they're doing. I want you to turn it around and start worrying about who you are and what you represent. And I want to show a quick video on something that represents the power of the judgmental attitude and how destructive it can be. But when we're able to turn it around, how awesome it can be as well. A man was waiting at an airport for a long-distance flight. His flight was delayed and so he had a little spare time. He saw a deal on some cookies and thought he should treat himself. 
He bought quite a few cookies because he thought it might be quite a long delay. He took a seat near a man and started to read the magazine he also picked up earlier. He exchanged a glance with the other man and then tried to avoid eye contact as he went back to reading. While he was engrossed in his magazine, he happened to see that the man sitting beside him boldly grabbed a cookie from the container. He initially ignored the incident to avoid a scene. He grabbed a cookie himself and went back to his magazine. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookie so much, he took another one and started eating it too. This continued for a while and with each passing moment, he began to get more and more irritated. Every time he took a cookie, so did the other man. When the last cookie was left, the man nervously took that cookie and broke it in half. He offered the other to the man and smiled. The man took the cookie and could not believe the other man's nerve. He was thinking in his head, how ungrateful could that man be? The other man then left and took the container with him. This guy couldn't believe what had just happened. He was relieved when his flight was called. He gathered his belongings. As he lifted his bag, he saw that there was a full container of cookies right there. He was totally shocked, totally surprised. It caught him off guard. He thought to himself, if my cookies are here, then wait, those cookies were his. The other man had shared his cookies whilst he was thinking he was the one doing the sharing. Whilst he was angry and irritated, the other man was being generous and kind. He felt so bad for what had happened but he couldn't find the other man anywhere and didn't know how to apologize. Things are not always as they appear. Sometimes we make quick assumptions about people, circumstances, and situations. We judge them, label them, and put them into a box, not recognizing that there is a much bigger picture. Sometimes we meet someone in a particular state, stage, or phase of their life and stereotype them to be a certain way. Don't be so quick to judge. You never know when you might find yourself walking in someone else's shoes. And remember, the best apology is changed behavior. Wow. I was sitting there watching this video. You know, today, you know, we're, we're in a, a time where you're always trying to look at the angle of a video. You know, what, how's it going to change? How's this going to be judgmental? And to see that this gentleman that's, that was sitting across from him, those were his cookies. <laughs> and he was smiling the whole time. He's like, hey, you know, they are good cookies. They real good. <laughs> and how, when he came down to the last cookie, he split it with him and said, here you go. Here you go. And you think about what you would have felt if you was in that circumstance. And how many times have we felt that way where, man, in our mind, something has already went down a certain way. We know the intent of the person. We know why they're doing what they're doing. And we're already ready to psychoanalyze them. And then we figure out that, wait a second. I should have been spending that time on me and my thoughts. And think about how Jesus 
He's done that for us. He's sacrificed. He's given his body. He allowed us to make our mistakes. He's allowing us to do foolish things. And he's still there smiling, just hoping. Hoping for us to realize that this generosity is, is not. Very important when it comes to judging. You know, God, he will judge us. He's given us his word to, to help align our lives out with his, with his life and the word of life that he has for us. But when we put on our judgment hat, when we put our judge robe on and get our, was that the gavel? Yeah, the gavel, thank you. When we get those things, we ended up taking our focus off of who? God, and we put it back on where the focus should not be. If we can decide as we leave this room today that we're not going to pass judgment on anyone else but ourselves, anyone else but our quick minds to stereotype at times, our quick minds to judge the intentions of someone else while our intentions are always positive, to be able to give someone else that same benefit of the doubt will transform our relationships Help us not to be too easily offended. Amen? Amen. Lastly, in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, as Paul is, is talking and, and helping uh, the Roman church to, to, to really lift up relationship above anything else, he says in Romans 14, verse 19 through 21, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. What is Paul uplifting here? He's uplifting relationship. How important relationships are. How important it is for me to have a positive, godly relationship with those that are in my household, with my spouse, with my children, with total strangers, to look for opportunities to be the Jesus-type person in that relationship, to have true righteousness. It says in verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what? Do what leads to peace. All your effort. Make every effort. Not judge the effort of the next person, right? Because that could be my tendency. Oh, man, they're not, they not reciprocating. I called them three times. They only called me back one time. I'm 300% the man. They are. God like, no, bro. That's not how it works. God is helping us to see through the scriptures and through Rome that, man, you cannot, you cannot judge other people's efforts without judging your own efforts. And then to make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Well, we're building one another up. 
We're encouraging one another. You know, I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. He says, we should be too big to take offense and too noble to give it. Too big to take offense and to be offended, but too noble to try to go and offend others. Now, do we have that mindset as we go throughout our day? As we go throughout our walk with Jesus? You know, one of the things that was, I read an article online. It said, 10 ways to stop taking everything so hard. And I extracted four of those things. I'm like, oh, these, these are good ones. These are, these are juicy right here. These are things that are going to help us out. And listen to this. Number one, and I got a couple other uh, things to go with. But number one, talk yourself out of being offended. Talk yourself out of it. So start right here in self-talk. You don't have to be audible with it, right? But start in your head. This is some of the things. It says, it can be just that simple. In the heat of the moment, try asking yourself these questions. What am I getting so bent out of shape for? Does this really matter? What's the big deal? Reason with yourself. Did he really mean it the way that I just took it? Is he truly actually trying to hurt me? Well, then, what is he really trying to say if he's really trying, not trying to hurt me? Remember, the reason we usually feel offended is because of the meaning we attach to what is said or done, right? That means he really doesn't care. She's saying, I'm no good. I knew he didn't really love me. She wouldn't say that if she was. So the internal interpretation continues to go. You will be happier as you learn to talk yourself out of offense and internalize the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, philosophy of communication. But then examine the why behind your pain. Why do I feel this? Because this probably go much deeper than what they said, because it most likely is different things that go in our heart, right? Number two, put yourself in the offender's shoes. Put yourself in the shoes. This will have the added benefit of being less offensive to others as you learn to be too noble to give offense. In any event, if you can slide your feet into their moccasins for a minute, you can learn to see things from the offender's perspective. And then just maybe you will see that you too played a role in the drama. And perhaps you will also come to see that the offender had no such intentions of offending. Number three, overcome self-centeredness. That's a big one, right? That should be number one, but we're, we're using number three. It said, the it's all about me mentality is fertile soil for being frequently offended. Every word out of every mouth, every action or inaction, all that is done or undone, all motives and intentions become a reflection on you. That is a huge burden to carry, isn't it? If everything is reduced to how it affects you, if you reside at the center of everything, no wonder why we are so frequently offended. Move away from the center of everyone else's life. You likely aren't really there anyways, right? Nor should you be in most cases. 
Allow most of life to be indifferent to you. My bad mood isn't about you. It's about me. And sometimes someone else's bad mood, we, we do the, the mirror complex, right? We start taking on the, the bad things that we see of others. Lastly, accept imperfection. If you expect others to act and speak a certain way or assume others will be as kind or compassionate as you, if you're offended when they don't rise to your level of expectation, you will almost always be offended or on the verge of it. Instead, allow people to be human because they are, right? We all have phobos, idiosyncrasies, personality and character flaws, and so do, do I. Don't hold on to the imperfect imperfections of others so tightly that you strangle yourself in the process. Release, let it go, breathe, relax. Part of accepting others' imperfections is also learning to forgive them their past sins so that the current problem isn't blown out of proportion as an extension of the previous problem. Have you ever been there? Because of your history with someone, one little thing becomes a big thing because we got this big snake right behind it, right? Remember, people are imperfect. You are imperfect. I am imperfect. Life is imperfect. And that's just plain okay. When you accept their perfection and your own, you will be able, you will be well on your way to a life of more emotional stability, happiness, and not be too easily offended. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's a lot that goes into it. And it seems so simple just reading it. You're like, oh, yeah, if I were to do that, that, that would help me out. That might even help with relationships that you're dealing with right now. But this is who Christ is. You know, in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, Paul writes, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring what? Praise to God. So us being able to ingest being able to accept one another, not passing judgment, to make every effort to go after doing anything that is possible to be at peace and to mutually edify one another. That's going to cause praise. Now you think about all the passages. Think about Jesus even praying in John chapter 17 about unity. 
These are building blocks to unity, right? These principles are building blocks for unity. Now, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Which one is toughest for you to practice? Which one is toughest for you to implement? You know, out of those four that we just talked about, right? You look like it's a little crazy up here, but hopefully you remember it from your notes. Talking yourself out of being offended. And that's something that's tough. Is that one of the things that you struggle with is being positive in your mind and thinking the best of others? Is it difficult for you to put yourself in other shoes? Maybe not because you can't relate, but because you don't make enough effort. Overcoming self-centeredness. You know, that's a huge one, right? That's one that I have to deal with every single day. You know, it was funny. I walked into a room yesterday, and they're like, oh, man, we were just talking about you. And you're like, what, what, what's the first thing that go to mind? What are y'all saying? What are y'all saying about me? Right? But I was more focused on gumbo, so I was like, hey, I'm just going to eat and, and get out of here, right? But sometimes that's how we are, is that the world revolves around us. When we leave a room, you're like, man, I know they're going to start talking about me. I know it, and they're talking about something else. They're talking about where they're going to eat after service or why they need more money so they can eat after service, right? <laughs> well, number four, accepting imperfection. What makes that hard, so hard at times is that everyone else's imperfection is on a big screen, and our imperfection is on our little cell phone. It's just a, even though they're the same, right, all those things can separate us from God and can break down relationships. But in our minds, we see others, typically, sins greater than our own. But if we can accept our own imperfections, the next person's imperfections, then we can truly have that mind of Christ that is talked about in Romans chapter 15. We can truly have that endurance and that encouragement where we're accepting and welcoming others, where we stop passing judgment, but instead we make every possible effort to live in peace and to mutually edify others. And guys, as we, as we end our time here, we're going to sing uh, one more song together. Uh, so I can have the worship team get ready. I just want to put these up. Which one of these is toughest for you to practice? You know, it's probably one of these that is tough, and it's probably one that, is little, that comes a little, little easier to you. Like for me, putting myself in other shoes, that's something that's helped being in a multicultural marriage. Is that I get both sides. I get the Hispanic side of life. I got the black side of life. You know, where I grew up was predominantly Caucasian. So I get to be in other people's shoes. And it helped me to think that not everybody thinks just like Clint. So that's one that's a little bit easier uh, for me. But as I mentioned earlier, number three, the one I had to watch out for, is that God is the center of this universe. He's the creator of this universe. Not Clint Moser Jr., right? Not you. 
Hopefully we already knew that, right? But as we close out our time today, as we get ready uh, to sing our praises to God, let's really go after not being easily offended, but instead to put the principles in place so that we can truly have relationships that are whole and focused on God. Amen? Amen. Amen.